This is an AMI podcast. Hello to you and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, her. Now, we just went through the month of May and we celebrated some really important dates. May 18th was Global Accessibility Awareness Day. National Accessibility Awareness Week runs from May 28th to June the 3rd. And in British Columbia, we are marking the 26th anniversary of Access Awareness Day, which happens on June the 3rd. 25% of the Canadian population identifies as living with disability. So to celebrate the disability experience, I wanted to introduce you all to my friend, Jennifer Bergman, who is an outstanding artist exploring comic strips, poetry, prose, acting, directing, and so much more. She draws her inspiration from her everyday experiences of ableism after an acquired disability. So please welcome Jennifer to the program. My name is Jennifer Bergman. I am a disabled, white, middle-aged woman. I use a power wheelchair, live with limited mobility and chronic pain. And I am an actor, writer, aspiring director, and comic strip maker. Jennifer, it's so great to have you on Accessing Art with Amy. There's just so many things, actor, writer, creator, aspiring director, comic book creator, so many things. Um, where should we start? I mean, I, I could uh, we could spend hours and hours going all through these things. But one of the things that I was so intrigued about um, your work was your comic book writing or comic strip writing, I guess I should call it. Yeah. Tell us about how you got involved in that. Well, when I first became disabled, I was non-disabled for 38 years. And when I first became disabled, I became acutely aware when I was finally out and about in the community of how differently I was treated. Right. Even though in my mind and heart, I was no different. People treated me in a completely different way. And I, this is when I started learning about ableism and internal ableism and all the different attitudes and perceptions about disabled people. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share my little insights uh, with people. And I thought if I could draw, you know, I would make little comic strips. Well, I can't draw. So I started looking for an app that could draw for me. So I found this old app. It's not even available anymore, but it's great because it's got these sort of generic pre-drawn characters and some items and stuff. And I also use clip art from the internet and I create these comic strips uh, that, you know, talk about the kind of the giggles and gripes of everyday life um, with living with a disability. And since then, I've gotten all kinds of stories from people People on Facebook contact me and say, oh, I wish you could do a strip about this. So all of the comic strips come from either my personal lived experience or the lived experience of other people, stories that they've told me. So I've created about 400 of them by now. I can't believe there's that oh many. Oh my gosh, 400? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, already. And, you know, I didn't create them all at once. I created them over a number of years. But I'm just, I'm shocked at how many, how many of these stories inspired me to create a comic to, to highlight, 
you know, what's going on out there in a humorous way. Yeah. What what has been some of the feedback that you've been getting from these comic strips that you've created? Oh, I have a lot of, I have a Facebook page and I post them every day on that page. And I often have people just putting comments down that say, you know, I feel this so much and I feel seen and, you know, this is exactly what happens to me. And oftentimes it will they will generate conversations where people get different insights. Oftentimes people will tell a personal story of what they've been through. So I, I really like the way it sparks conversations on the Facebook page. I think you and I have to put our heads together because I got some stories I could share with you. Oh, we, we definitely. We're going to make some comics. Cool. Um, uh, there, we're we're going to talk about a couple of those comics. So you've got one called High Chair. Yes. So I know that you created like a, a description for blind folks. Yes. Um, so maybe you can read us the description and share with us, with us the comic. Sure. So the description, it's comic strip by A Day in the Life of the PWD. A woman in a wheelchair is approached by a stranger. Stranger says, hello there, sweetie. Are we having a good day? And what are we up to today, my dear? The woman irritated, responds, please don't mistake my wheelchair for a high chair. <laughs> I mean, you hate to laugh about it, but it's so flipping true. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so you tell the app that you want, uh, you know, uh, 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 somebody in a wheelchair and uh, a, I, like, what do you tell the app to create the image? Well, they're little pictures. So they have little categories with little pictures of people. And so if I want uh, some guy, then it, I'll tap on the guy, a white guy. There's, of course, the token black guy. Mm -hmm. um, and they do actually have a picture of a wheelchair that you can use. They have a picture of a cell phone and a table and that sort of thing. And if there's nothing in there, then I'll get, you know, clip art from the Internet and add my own little you know, the last comic I had, of course, there was the, the comic was about intersectionality. And mm -hmm. of course, I didn't have a black woman in my little app. So I had to find one that was appropriate and stick her in my comic. So you can have a diverse comic strip that's reflective of the world. Yes. Yeah. And I often do. Like I'll choose to make couples, same sex couples or I'll choose to put a black figure in a position you wouldn't stereotypically see them in stuff like that well i mean you and i talk about this a lot because we're friends outside of this podcast that disability is something that is um not uh it doesn't discriminate so any of us can experience a body that is uh you know experience illness or injury yes uh, it's one of the things that connects us all as human beings yes disability yeah. right that we're all sort of open to that membership club exactly so you have a second comic strip that's got a couple of different frames. What's this one called? And can you walk us through this one? This one is called, uh, I just got to find it. It's called Inaccessible Notice. And the description is frame one, a blind woman using a white cane stands at a bus stop waiting for the bus. A man is reading a notice attached to the bus stop sign. 
frame two, the man passes by her as he leaves. Frame three, two women holding hands arrive and read the notice. Frame four, they also leave and pass by the woman. Another man arrives at the bus stop. The woman is beginning to look distressed. The man reads the notice. The woman, now irritated, checks her phone. Frame six, the man passes by her as he leaves. As he passes, she calls out, Excuse me, do you know if there's something wrong with the bus? I've been waiting for 45 minutes. Frame seven, the man stops and points at the notice. Oh yeah, there's a notice on the bus stop sign that says it's been rerouted. Exasperated, the woman rolls her eyes. I cannot tell you as a blind person how many times I've been at a bus stop where there has been some paper notice that I can't read that says, you know, bus stop moved, bus stop rerouted, bus, all of these things. Yeah. It is one of the most frustrating things as a blind person I experience because it happens all the time. Yeah. Thank it's very you. similar to being, you know, a wheelchair user yeah. that suddenly has a detour, but nothing's provided so that they can do it safely. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are no curb cuts to get off that uh, that corner. or There's no room for the bus ramp to pull down so that you yeah. can get on. Yeah. Again, you know, you're such a multidisciplinarian artist. And so, you know, try and touch on everything is an impossibility in the time that we have. But you have a poem that you have written that I really, really love. And I've had you read it several times in several different performance spaces and that kind of thing. Um, can you share with us the name of this poem? And what inspired you to write it? Mm -hmm. It's called From the Margins. And what, insi what inspired me to write this particular poem is because, again, realizing how differently I was treated, all the sort of weird and sometimes funny, sometimes outright offensive, ableist situations that I've been in, and I, I wanted to share that in some way. And at the time, I had I was studying a lot of uh, iambic pentameter and uh, recognized how challenging it was to create really beautiful words using iambic pentameter. So I wanted to take on the challenge, and I hope I, I rose to it. All right. Let's hear this from the margins. Oh my friggin' God, is this for real? Is form and function all that they can see? This chair should not determine how they feel about my status in society. Must I tolerate the blatant stares and jeers or wisecracks, neither humorous nor new? Am I not worthy of respect from peers? Don't I deserve consideration, too? For many years, my body functioned well, and I enjoyed the freedoms that it granted. Then came a day when sudden illness fell, and all that independence was supplanted. Great pain of mind and body I endured, relearning all of life's most basic tasks. I wondered if my future was secure. Would now this world accept me as I am? 
though this vessel that I fill is not the same and mode of transport quite unlike the norm, the essence of my soul remains unchanged, my heart and mind no different than before. Yet still they see me as an invalid and speak to me in lilting high-pitched tones, each word so carefully enunciated. Since when did I become a two-year-old? The queries born of curiosity would make me laugh, were they not awfully rude. Can you have sex? They boldly ask of me, then wonder why I give them attitude. How did you end up in a wheelchair? Perhaps you're being punished for a sin. Did your husband find the burden hard to bear? He stayed with you, so you were blessed to have him. Despite how innocent they may appear, the platitudes and judgments sorely chafe. Your life must be just horrible, my dear, yet you carry on. You are so very brave. Though you've twice refused my help, I must insist. One such as you can't choose for your own self. It's inspiring that you're able to exist and makes me grateful I still have my health. Oh, my life is not a freakish spectacle, a titillating book for all to read. I do not owe you explanations full of tales to stimulate some perverse glee. I don't need your advice and... Save your tears, I am capable of managing myself. My disability need not be feared, for I am simply human, like yourself. To be quite frank, I live with enough angst without this extra added ignorance. I never have much money in the bank, for meager funds come from the government. I often find the world not built for me oft-blocked from even getting in the door, thrust to the margins of society, rolled eyes and sighs if I dare ask for more. Vast amounts are spent on infrastructure that 25% of folks can't use. Disabled people have so much to offer without our insights. Think of what you lose. When we are included in a topic, it is the non-disabled who discuss. This approach is senseless and myopic. Thus our request, nothing about us, without us. There is one thing you really ought to know, important to consider when you're stable. Your body will eventually grow old. Live long enough, you too will be disabled. If not of me, then think about yourself and all the friends and family in your circle. You never know the cards that could be dealt as flesh and bone is not invincible. Now, if you wish to help, ask our advice. Give everyone the access that they need. Change the systems that affect our lives so we're not forced to live in poverty. As for ableists who dare to press their luck. All I really have to say is this. 
I'm warning you, it's quite unwise to fuck with this here badass wheelchair using bitch. Woot woot. <laughs> woot woot. <laughs> I, Jennifer, every time I hear it, I just love it more and more because it resonates. It's so true. And the reason why I thought, okay, let's connect from the margins with the comic strips is that they all come from your lived experience, right? So can you tell me, um, you know, I, I, I guess the, the best way of a- asking this question is to share how I approach ableism, which is like, bring it on. I'll write a theater piece about it. Mm-hmm. So how do you approach ableism that you experience in the world? You know, I used to get really pissed off and um, really it would darken my whole day. And, and you know, it, it was it was just awful to me. Now, after experiencing years of it, I I kind of take it as it comes. I store it up in my brain as another you know, example of this ridiculous thing that happens. And I try to, you know, bring it back to make a comic strip out of it or to write about it. And the other thing that I do now is because I've developed so much more empathy as a result of my experiences, I try to see things from their perspective, which tends to temper my own angry reaction. Yeah. So I, I, I employ a number of tools to, to get through those moments because they happen far more often than than non-disabled people realize. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, it has empowered you to create really evocative work, which I think is um, is so needed when we talk about representation of our stories. So thank you for bringing those stories here. I mean, we could talk about a couple of plays that you're writing and, and that you have more than 40 published pieces in The Mighty, I mean, you are you are an artistic force, my friend. Why, thank uh, you. What is your favorite thing about being an artist? Because you were an artist before disability as well, were you not? Yes, I was. Yeah. In fact, I I kind of abandoned uh, my vocation or my calling, I guess, as a result of being disabled because I didn't think that I was going to fit into this world of creatives in this world of theater. Um, and I discovered, of course, along the way that that's just not true, that it's all about the passion and the creativity and the to drive to to help. For me, anyway, it's also a drive to help educate, spread awareness, uh, create inclusion and to, in my own little way, in my own little portion of the world, change things for the better. I think you're very very much doing that, Jennifer, because there's going to be a whole bunch of folks with disabilities coming up after us. And if we trail that, you know, blaze that trail now, Mm -hmm. and hopefully the road is a little bit easier because there are barriers along this road. And I wonder if you have an example of any of the barriers that you faced in either creating the work or finding a place to showcase the work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, Theater spaces, theater and film spaces are notoriously bad for accessibility, wheelchair accessibility anyway. 
And yeah, um, yeah, I've encountered times where it's either inaccessible or they've they've made it accessible by sort of cutting corners and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're being taken around the back of the building past the garbage. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or undignified accessible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I, even now I find like I, my real wheels Academy classes are at the BMO center in Vancouver. And I still find now as accessible as they uh, try to be, there are situations where I still need help to get into the building because the keypad is too high and too far and things like that. So those things, because we have somebody there to help us. It's not so bad uh, when somebody's not there to help. Those are the kinds of things that build up over time. When when they happen, every time you go out or every time you have to go to classes or go to rehearsal and you need to jump through that one little hoop that other people don't have to, Yeah, it can be really daunting. It takes it takes a lot of energy. Spoons, we call this in in the disability world. Spoons, uh, it's a unit of of energy, right? It takes a lot of spoons to be able to navigate all of that. And of course, you know, you just brought up the Real Wheels Academy. I wonder if you just want to take a, a quick minute and share with folks what that is and what your involvement is in that. Mm-hmm. It's a three year pilot program, uh, an acting program for disabled artists. They uh, provide a personal service attendant for every class for those that need um, help with certain tasks. And it's so far we're we are ending our second year with a voiceover workshop. And so far it's been just an incredible program, very accessible, inclusive with uh, instructors that have been in the industry for many years and have lots of experience to share. And I'm hoping that it'll go beyond a pilot program into a regular uh, program that's, you know, well-known in Vancouver because it truly is um, um, a great place for disabled artists to learn acting skills and uh and the industry and not just the training part of acting but also the practical real life parts like you know how to book work and how to get an agent and doing headshots and all that how to write grants and that sort of thing so it's really comprehensive and inclusive and accessible it's been a great experience I love this. Um, I was a part of the roundtable that said we need this. We need something in our in our industry for folks that live with disability in order to increase our representation as stage performers, as creators, as directors, as writers, all of these things um, so that we knew how to navigate the system and that we uh, when on when auditions came up and the able bodied world said, well, we tried to find a blind actor, but we just couldn't or we tried to find a wheelchair using actor, but we just couldn't that there was uh, like a, a, a trained force of folks ready to uh, audition for things. So I'm glad that you're finding it um, a, a spot of joy 
And I think that there might be a, a second intake of, of students that are going to be coming up this fall. So that would be really, really wonderful to see. Jennifer, I, I hear this. I hear this sound. <laughs> I hear the sound and it's telling me that it's time for us to play the mixed bag. So I'm going to just segue into that. All righty. Um, so here we go. Uh, that mixed bag means that you get 30 seconds to answer up to three random questions that I pulled from the mixed bag. No right or wrong answers. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here's your first question. What's your most inspiring place? Um, somewhere in nature. Somewhere like in wooded nature. Like wooded the woods but, of the forest. But not, not too foresty because the wheelchair. <laughs> exactly. An accessible forest. <laughs> uh, the next question is, I bet you I know the answer to this one already. This is so funny how the mixed bag works where I pull these questions in advance and somebody says something. What makes you angry? Oh, well, ableism, <laughs> but not just not just sort of the innocent. They don't know any better ableism, but blatant outright. You really ought to know better ableism. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Yeah. And here's the last one I got for you. What's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? The strangest thing I've ever eaten. Well, I'm a super picky eater, so I don't put things in my mouth that I don't think I'll like. <laughs> so, um, oh, I know. I once ate dog. It was, I was at work long time ago. I was a manager of a, of a department in a glass manufacturing plant. And uh, I worked with a lot of Filipino men and they had brought in dog one day. Okay. I, and they they used to get a good kick out of me trying a little bite of their food because a lot of times I had no idea what they were eating. Yeah. And so they get, it just looked like a little bit of meat. This is before I was vegan. So I tried it and then they all said, oh, that's dog you've eaten. So I don't know if it was for real whether yeah, I ate yeah, yeah. dog, and if it yeah. was, I feel just horrified. And and if it wasn't, whether they were just pulling my leg. But yeah, that's having dog. eaten dog, not knowing that I was eating dog, because if I knew, I would have been just outraged and horrified. All right. Well, I think we can put a punctuation mark on that one. <laughs> um, Jennifer, where do folks find you on the World Wide Web? Well, you can find my comics, my collection of comics, which I am trying to categorize for easy easy viewing at www.adayinthelifeofapwd, which is person with a disability, dot weebly.com. Wonderful. Jennifer, it's been so great. I know that you and I will probably be seeing each other again on the Vancouver arts scene. But thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to be with you. We've said goodbye to Jennifer. But before I say goodbye to you, I just want to leave you with this quote of the day by Irma Bombeck. There's a thin line that separates laughter and pain, comedy and tragedy, humor and hurt. 
Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti, on the unceded traditional territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh First Peoples, colonially known as Vancouver, British Columbia. The technical producer of this podcast is Jacob Shymansky, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. We would love your feedback. Perhaps you or someone you know is an artist or an artist that lives with a disability. You can reach out to us at any time by phone at 1-866-509-4545 or by email at feedback at ami.ca. Thanks again to my guest today, Jennifer Bergman. Keep exploring. See you next time. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.